Hey friends, Ashton here, and welcome to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. I am absolutely uh, thrilled and honored today. Um, as we're entering this new uh, chef season again, you guys know we did um, interviews with some of America's top chefs last year. We're doing it, doing it again this year, um, and I've been crazy curious about a little place in Healdsburg, California called Single Thread. Um, not only is it a restaurant, they also have a farm. They have a little inn there as well where you can stay. Uh, and from the outside looking in, um, Chef Kyle Connaughton, I just love what he's doing. Uh, I think his taste, his curiosity, his precision. I've not been there yet. I plan to come soon, uh, but I'm super grateful today to get to share some time with him, introduce him to our listeners, uh, and just to get to know he and his story a little bit better. So with that being said, um, Chef Kyle joins us today. Chef, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited. Absolutely. So um, I know I gave you a little bit of a, of a bio there, but for, for maybe some of our listeners that haven't crossed paths with you and your work in the world, um, where do you begin? Uh, well, I think the journey for my wife, uh, Katina, who runs our farm, uh, and I, that the journey for us began in Los Angeles. We, we grew up in uh, in Los Angeles together, and actually we've been together since we were 15 years old. Um, so we've been on this uh, this journey leading up to uh, opening um, up uh, Single Thread, which will be two years uh, this December. Um, so we're we're just just shy of two years old. Um, it began for us kind of in our late uh, teens. Uh, grew up cooking in Los Angeles, um, and then uh, her and I moved to Japan for for many years to begin, you know, pursuing more of my culinary career and her farming career. Uh, we lived in the North Island of Hokkaido, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, a very sure rural agricultural area where Katina began her, uh, her farming, um, several years in Japan over to, to the UK. And then, uh, for, uh, five years, uh, at, uh, for me at the fat duck, uh, restaurant, we're in the experimental laboratory for Hassan Blumenthal, a uh, really incredible um, uh, chef and, uh, and my wife, uh, continuing farming and, uh, and, and gardening at a Victorian state property. And uh, we came back to Sonoma County, Northern California, which we had fell, fallen in love with, uh, uh, getting married uh, up here when we were in our early 20s um, with, the, uh, with the intent to open a farm and a restaurant and um, small inn and combine uh, Katina's farming and my cooking and, and, and kind of bring all that together uh, in the heart of uh, Northern California wine country. Wow. What a, what a beautiful story to, to know you guys have been kind of on, on a journey together since you were 15. She was kind of getting into the farming side, you on the cooking side. Um, what's that experience been like? I mean, full circle, Japan to the fat duck to back to California. What What's it like to kind of see this literally come to fruition and seeds that you guys have literally put into the ground, both literally and metaphor- metaphorically, uh, and see single thread come full circle? Sure. I mean, we, we've had this over 20-year sort of professional journey uh, together you know, leading up to it and always had this uh, this vision to, um, you know, open a restaurant and, and farm and in in, in, in in wine country for, you know, actually since our like late teens, early, mm-hmm. early twenties. So, you know, we were on this um, sort of journey together and, you know, learning things from 
various people or there were chefs or farmers in, in different, uh, you know, areas, obviously in Asia and in Europe, uh, you know, learning skills and uh, experiencing things together, figuring out what we liked and what we didn't like and what spoke to us and, and what was important to us um, and really sort of shaping that vision uh, over time to, you know, combine the aspects of farming and the sustainable agriculture and horticulture that Katina does uh, with cooking and really present that to our guests in a way that um, on any given day at Single Thread, what we're doing is, is we're showcasing the best of what is coming from our farm. Uh, we're also showcasing that day, that moment in Sonoma County, a sort of, you know, moment in time, uh, you know, we're farming here uh, 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. We're, we're harvesting uh, on all of those days. Obviously the produce, you know, changes significantly with the seasons, which makes it really exciting for us. Um, and also always something different and uh, and unique for uh, for our guest, um, and and that's what we really try to do is is to to serve is to um, is to show that that moment in time that day, um, and and that's been kind of like the dream that we've always been uh, chasing is the ability to do that. Well, that's beautiful to showcase the moment in time um, that day on the plate. What's how how do you keep your imagination sharp? How do you stay curious in knowing that the plate really is going to be contingent on, you know, what's coming out of the fields? Sure. I mean, I think we're getting constantly inspired by, you know, what's uh, being harvested at the farm or, or what's, what's coming, um, uh, coming up. Um, you know, typically as chefs, especially if you're in an urban environment, you sort of, you know, you, you Hopefully you try to look seasonally, you try to look, you know, locally uh, and, you know, you're, you're ordering things or you're going to your, you know, your various companies, your produce companies, whatever you're putting in, in orders for, you know, pounds of this and cases of that. Um, And, uh, and, but you can sort of pick and choose what you may want uh, to do. It's the choices in your hands in terms of what you want to uh, serve, uh, you know, for us. Um, we are uh, we are really the conduit for for the farm. So uh, the farm is dictating what we do. So um, the the questions in terms of what we were going are going to serve are, are really um, answered by uh, what the farm has at its peak at any given uh, you know moment. Uh, so for us, you know, the inspiration to create dishes and and to um, you know create new experiences for my guests really comes from us being able to see what's coming from uh, from the farm, you know, a week out or, you know, a few weeks out. And we get that anticipation of, uh, you know, when we're waiting for those first tomatoes and we're excited about them and we're tasting them on the field and we're saying, well, they're not quite ready, they're not quite sweet enough yet. It's that um, sort of anticipation uh, that, you know, we have uh, that is really begins to drive our creativity. So, that's what's most fun for me. I was spent a few hours out at the farm yesterday, just going through and starting to look at all the fall crops mm. and just walking through that and tasting things and smelling and, and looking at them really starts to get that creativity flowing of thinking about what the possibilities are. Love that. I mean, it's just, what a beautiful integration, you know, that you guys have to play. Um, you know, you get to literally plant the seeds, see it to come to fruition um, and then allow, I love how you said, I think you said that the, the restaurant is the, 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 what'd you say? The conduit of the farm, something like that. Sure. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. 
Well, you know, my wife spends in her team, the farm team, they spend months uh, growing something. So, uh, you know, for them preparing the soil, uh, you know, cover cropping, amending soil, uh, preparing, planting, uh, you know, tending to that, everything that goes along with that, the weeding, the, um, uh, you know, all of that, all that hard work takes, you know, months, months, months. By the time it comes to the kitchen, you know, have it for, you know, a day, maybe two days. Uh, and, and then we're, we're serving it. So, you know, all of that hard work that goes into things, when we think about the sort of artistry of, of the chef and the creativity and the execution, which, of course, are very important, but really the hard work for us is, is what goes into um, just making those, uh, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, vegetables or fruits or, uh, you know, we have chickens, and, you know, the eggs, you know, what, you know, all the hard work is done beforehand. And we sort of have it at the last moment and just, um, and, and serve it to the guest. So, you know, in that way, uh, everything that we do really needs to support the flavors that are there naturally. If I take something that they've worked really hard on for months and we sort of manipulate it beyond recognize you know recognition of what it was initially i'm not really serving that that ingredient very well so wow. you know while uh, our dishes are, are i wouldn't say necessarily simple they're quite elaborate they're they really serve to um, to show the best uh, of those uh, those ingredients It, it sounds like this th- this dream started at a very early age for you. Um, years and years of world yeah. travel and being a chef. W- at what point did you know that food and cooking and these ingredients? What what when did you know that there was something there for you? Um, definitely, I can pinpoint an exact uh, um, moment when I was when I was nine years old that. Hmm was definitely um like the the exact moment where it sort of i said this is this is for me and i've and and i have thought that ever since i've never had a job outside of cooking i started professionally as soon as i was able to um you know to have the job but you know food was really an important part of um of our life growing up my my parents are actually both from the uk as well Grew up in Los Angeles, but was fortunate to do a lot of traveling with them. I had a dad who traveled for business um, quite a bit, and uh, when I was nine, he went on a on one what became one of many trips to uh, to Japan, and, and and the start of afterwards uh, spending a lot of time in Japan from a young age. Uh, but he came back uh, from a trip to Japan and, went and was um, you know describing it uh, to me at nine and showing me pictures and bringing back things and, uh, and and being very excited about the experience that you just had. Um, and as a way to kind of show me about the food, took me out for um, for sushi. Uh, uh, it was my first uh, sushi experience. And we sat at the counter together and um, the, uh, you know, chef was preparing us the individual bites. And I just remember just absolutely falling in love with it. Um, I could picture it very vividly and, you know, and saying, whatever this is, this is, this is what I, what I want to do. And that started like a 
started off one, um, a lot of travel to Japan that was to come after that, but also, um, you know, became a real family thing, a real kind of like father and son thing, uh, you know, to do was to go out for these sushi dinners, um, uh, together and spend a lot of time at restaurants and really exploring food. And, and uh, my parents were very, um, supportive of that. And actually we had Japanese foreign exchange students come and live with us and we spent a lot of time there. Uh, and just as soon as I could in high school, I got my first job working in a sushi restaurant. Wow. Wow. So the veil, the veil parts at nine years old when you're eating sushi yeah. with your dad. Wow. Yeah. Well, wow. and then, so I guess walk with me a bit on, um, from, and again, I haven't been to single thread. I've, can't get there fast enough. My wife and I were talking about it last night. But as I'm right. as as I'm looking from the outside in, it it seems as though that Japanese cuisine, Japanese culture, something really really struck a chord within you, and a lot of that lays over um, kind of what you guys are doing, even from what you plant to how things are prepared. I think even on the uh, from the aspect of the inn, I think there's some Japanese things that are, that are going on there. Um, what, what, what was it that drew you in? I know that I, I do not speak Japanese, but every time I learn a new, you know, kasiki or omakase or anything like that, I'm like, we just don't have beautiful words that convey the essence of what some of, of what some of the things that, uh, the Japanese do. So wh- where do we begin with this love affair with Japanese cuisine? Uh, or I guess really the, the culture side of things. Yeah, well, you know, sort of since that, uh, you know, experience at nine, uh, you know, started uh, a sort of lifelong, um, you know, traveling uh, there, spent a lot of time going to Japanese culinary school, doing an apprenticeship in Japan, uh, and then, uh, you know, learning to speak the language, moving uh, our family and our two young daughters there. Um, and, and living for many years and, and still even after living, I'm, I'm still there a few times uh, a year working with um, various artisans who make a lot of the various you know, things that we do and spent a few years with a, um, with a family in a very rural area called Iga, um, writing a book uh, all about them uh, and uh, the Japanese uh, pottery and especially clay pots called Donabe, uh, eighth generation um, family of uh, master potters and you know the it just i think the what attracted me to it very early on was not only the food and the flavors but was this sort of reverence for uh, and an appreciation for craftsmanship um the hard work to focus on the details uh, and and to be detail oriented in that details mattered um, and that quality and precision uh, mattered, uh, and also this uh, this uh, ability to really showcase um, uh, the seasons and to have what's happening in nature drive a lot of um, of life and conversation and food and flavors and um, uh, and art and the design uh, and, and all of these things and. and you know, and sort of tying that all together is this incredible sense of hospitality, the in Japanese called the omotenashi um, hospitality, um, which uh, really spoke to me. And uh, what I sort of fell in love with in the restaurant world was, you know, just sort of restaurant life and restaurant people and, you know, and really attracted to people who had 
um, a real genuine sense of hospitality. I mean, you kind of find restaurants, people who work restaurant jobs because, uh, you know, it's a job. And then you find other, you know, like-minded professionals who do it because they have this, um, this real sense of hospitality. They find happiness in serving people and making them happy and creating experiences for people. Um, and, and, and I just found so much of that in uh, Japan, how that, you know, how so many people just very authentically, uh, you know, within their restaurant environments, within their food environments, you know, wanted to give these incredible um, experiences very selflessly. Uh, and uh, it, you know, all those things just, you know, really did and, and really continued, you know, continue to um, to speak to me. I mean, at um, Single Thread in, in Sonoma, obviously, we're in California wine country. Uh, we're not Japan. We're not a Japanese restaurant. We are a California uh, restaurant. We, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we have a large focus on uh, our local wine uh, production um, and, and just in wines in general. Um, we obviously are showing what's at our farm. A lot of what we grow is Japanese uh, varieties of produce, and many are also not. Uh, and we're wanting to give our guests uh, an authentic Sonoma experience. Um, so, you know, for us, it's not about importing something from Japan and trying to replicate it, because uh, actually in, in doing that, um, uh, you're never going to be able to import the context mm. of everything. So, you know, the Japanese uh, influences are just that they, you know, they influences and they um, they do guide a lot of our sort of our, our structures and our thoughts and our um, reasons for uh, doing things, but uh, very much apply apply that philosophy uh, to what we have here in Sonoma, rather than trying to replicate something from Japan. Well, well. So, um, and again, for, for, forgive my amateur understanding of so much of this, um, but I just I do love the concept of kaisaki. Am I saying that right? I may not be saying that right. Uh, uh, kaisaki, yeah. Kaisaki, um, and you are not a Japanese restaurant. But I, I feel like there's, there's some harmony between what you guys are doing and the essence of what that is. Um, and I don't have the perfect def- definition to describe it other than it seems like the present moment of ingredients meets symphony, meets poetry, meets story. Like there's just this lovely essence of what transpires on the table. And, and I can't imagine the energy that you guys get from doing such a thing. Talk to me about how what you know of Kaiseki has connected with what you guys are doing at Single Thread. Sure. I, what you're what you're saying uh, there and we're circling around is definitely uh, uh, spot on. Um, you know, there is a narrative, uh, which is the, the, um, the word that I, that I like to use, uh, you know, to these menus. There's certainly... A narrative, uh, you know, to uh, our menu, and if you think of that, the narrative of a menu, I think, is, is a kind of an interesting thought for um, you know someone who's not in our in our world uh, to kind of wrap their head around. In that, you know, we're familiar with uh, you know the the narrative of of a novel. We're familiar with the narrative of a uh, with a movie or with a symphony. You know, these things that are you know scored you know, like that. And we think of them in parts and acts and, yeah. uh, you know, food we, scoring. We of, That's uh, what you know, it is. Of a, yeah. And, you know, in good storytelling, you, 
you know, you have turns and you have peaks and you have valleys and, um, uh, you know, you have things where the, the end is, is brought back together to the beginning. Um, and really our, you know, our, our mini works very much, uh, the, the, the same way. Um, it, it has uh, a real narrative to it. There's a, there's a, there is a story being told, an overarching story, and then there are there are individual, uh, you know, smaller stories that are being told, uh, you know, within that, um, you know, in the, in the world of, of kaiseki cuisine uh, in Japan, which really began was born out of the sort of tea culture and the initial like tea ceremonies of the in the mid uh, 1500s, uh, and Japan was uh, you know a style of cooking and and, uh, and a type of of menu uh, structure and and then an experience, uh, an overall um, experience uh, of you know for the guests, which is um, you know multi courses. Uh, the the each of the individual courses focuses on individual cooking techniques. They're kind of laid out in a progressive uh, form, and the way you're starting with very light preparations and raw preparations, and moving to you know progressively sort of heavier um, and more substantial. Um, uh, uh, you know techniques and, and courses, but through that you are you're, you're telling the story of today. This is what's mm-hmm. happening today. This mm-hmm. is the season. This is the moment. And um, you know, in, in the Kaiseki world, uh, it's not only the ingredients. You know, seasonal ingredients. It goes beyond that. It's the dishware that's being used. You know, right now in summertime, when it's hot, we're using glass dishware because they have a cooling effect on the eye and during the during the colder months we put our glass dishware away and we bring out our more deeper colored uh earthenware uh dishware so you know you have different dishes with different motifs made out of different material for different times uh of of the year the the garnishes the decor um but also the uh the room the the flowers in the room or I mean, Kaiseki cuisine, the, the changing the artwork out on the um, on the walls so that you're always having something with a different seasonal uh, motif. So, you know, it really serves to show you sort of your place and your your time and the passage of time, uh, and to, to just sort of enjoy that that um, you know what's known as a fleeting moment. Mm. Uh, you know, one thing that people know very famously in Japan is that you have you know, the cherry blossom season, uh, the sakura and people go to go view the cherry blossoms as they sort of go from these bare trees and then explode out into the beautiful sort of like white and pink and red. Uh, and, you know, the, it's, you know, people travel to Japan for it. People within Japan, they take a lot of time just to go and really appreciate the beauty of the cherry blossoms. But one part of that, the beauty of that is the sort of understanding uh, that it's a very fleeting moment and very soon those cherry blossoms will fall off of the tree and that moment will, uh, will be gone. And I think, you know, it sort of, it speaks to the cyclical nature of the years and, uh, you know, and our life and the impermanence, you know, of our life and, and, uh, and also speaks to an appreciation of being present in, in, in that moment. Um, and, uh, you know, I think all of these things are incredibly important. We think about food or people talk about food uh, or use food as something that's just sustenance, something I need to sort of, you know, do to, uh, uh, you know, survive and I, you know, enjoy, uh, you know, different foods, but I'll have, you know, the same food throughout the year, which there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But, 
you know, there's something to be said about an experience that really places you in the moment and sort of uh, allows you to appreciate the sort of um, impermanence of uh, of life and and taking time with people that you care about to sit down and enjoy something uh, over and discover something mm. and experience that together over you know several several hours. You know, I think now more than if you don't mind, just sort of digressing a little bit on that. You know, I think now more than ever, it's very sort of important that we have these moments in in our life. I mean, we're in Northern California. We're an hour, hour and a half north of San Francisco and Silicon Valley. So a lot of our guests are are really in that tech world, uh, you know, and they are very switched on all the time. Phones, you know, apps, you know, computers, constant connectivity uh, that we have now uh, in our lives and always thinking ahead, thinking to the future, what's coming next, what's the new technology, um, and, you know, it's important that we take moments in our lives where we, you know, can put that connectivity down and kind of connect with the people that we're actually sharing the experience with and appreciate, uh, uh, you know, a moment in, in time. So, you know, beyond the food and beyond the narrative of, of the cuisine, we try to really create an environment where people can feel that they're um, able to decompress and relax and disconnect from the outside world for a little bit and, and sort of reconnect with the people that they choose to share that meal with. Beautiful. Man, I love it. I, we, we just had um, Dr. Dan Siegel on the podcast not long ago. He just He's from California, wrote a book called Aware, Practicing the Science and Practice of Presence. Um, so to go off script a little bit, because I, I, I feel like the moment, the present day... Um, there's something about this rings very true for you that, that, that I'm hearing. What, uh, and I'm sure business owner, chef, it's not like you're not looking for things to do every day. I'm sure your schedule is swamped. What, what practices and disciplines do you have to maintain that sense of presence? As we do live in a world full of apps and cell phones and full calendars, um, what are some of those things that you've sure. learned over the years to, to maintain that sense of presence? Yeah. You know, uh, while my goal and mission every single day is to create that in, environment for people to re- to relax and decompress and do all those things that I just said, I too very much live in that world that I just described of, you know, it's, uh, you know, for me all day, it's, it's my you know phone communicating with my team through Slack, you know, uh, you know, lots of things going on in my inbox and all, you know, all of those kinds of things that, you know, need to be done in order to have everything run um, smoothly and to keep up with everything that's uh, going on. You know, I don't have the luxury to just um, spend all of my uh, time, you know, just in the farm with my hands in the soil and in the kitchen. Uh, you know, uh, I, I do do those, both of those things, um, every single day, but, uh, but, you know, it, it's balanced out with, um, all of the needs, uh, of to, to handle all of the administrative, uh, you know, you know, side and, you know, we we are doing, we're doing this every day and it's very easy to, um, just completely be focused, uh, on that for my wife and I, you know, seven days a week, cause there's always things to be done and, you know, to, to make conscious efforts to sort of step outside a little, a little bit to gain, some perspective and make sure that sort of we are connected in, um, in, in our own life and that we are, um, you know, also, you know, thinking creatively and thinking 
um, about things uh, uh, with with uh, uh, with perspective. Um, you know, so w- what what we uh, uh, try to do for you know for two people who are you know working you know easily eighty hours uh, a week is to make make sure that we that we take time to um, you know to be sort of in nature and sort of separated a little bit from um, uh, from what what we're doing. Uh, you know, for us where we are here, it's, it means um, taking a lot of hikes and uh, and spending a lot of time you know out walking in nature. There's something in in, in Japanese that's called shindin yoku, which means uh, forest bathing is the actual um, direct translation. And this idea of uh, forest bathing means uh, to actually spend time out in nature, uh, hiking and, and, and walking, um, and uh, in you know areas where you can find sort of some quiet contemplation um, and really sort of just appreciate um, uh, you know nature. So it's not about just walking and going to the gym and walking on a treadmill or walking around a track. You know, it's about actually getting out in nature and spending you know time you know walking. Uh, and uh, you know, and there's been all these kind of amazing studies and everything like that about sort of like health and and you know how how we need nature and we need that uh, connection to nature. So you know, the idea of this idea of the of the forest bathing is, is is about going out there and not necessarily bathing to cleanse your body. It's sort of bathing to cleanse your mind and to sort of gain that clarity. Uh, and, you know, and it's an incredibly sort of powerful um, uh, thing. So, you know, that that's what it is for us, you know, hiking in the forest and hiking in the mountains. Uh, you know, for uh, me, I do a lot of backcountry snowboarding when I can. Um, and I, I, it's just kind of getting out in nature helps us to really bring a lot of focus back to our lives. Beautiful. Forest bathing. I mean, that's like... I'll have to research that. I love that idea. Maybe that's why I feel such a unique way after I get done fly fishing. Probably so. I just took a forest break. Yeah. <laughs> the world's 50 best restaurants named you guys the one to watch for 2018. Um, it is clear that you guys are doing something very, very special and beautiful out there. Um I know that business owners and chefs, they all have some core values, some just North Stars that they always have their eyes fixed on. For you and Katina, what are, what's one or maybe a couple of those that you would say um, has really allowed you guys to be put on the map so quickly um, and to be getting just rave reviews from all sorts of different coverage about the beautiful things you guys are doing out there? Well, I think, you know, a big part of what's, um, uh, you know, thankfully led, uh, you know, to all that was the fact that we, we waited until um, we were 40 to open, uh, you know, this, uh, this restaurant, we, um, we stayed patient. Uh, it was easy along the way to lose patience, Mm -hmm. um, to say, you know, I just want to get something open. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll figure things out later. Um, you know, we'll start small or, um, you know, we'll start with a smaller budget or whatever it may be. We, you know, we decided to take the path of doing it once we were really ready, uh, you know, ready and, uh, and had it sort of fully formulated, you know, between 
well, we need you for the business and, and the the right project, the right property, the right set of investors, the right um, capital, uh, you know, uh, for that. And that we had every single piece down to every single detail was thought out. And, you know, we had decided the way that it was going to be and that it was going to, um, you know, there's there's a reason behind everything that we do, whether it's something very, very small or something um, you know, uh, large. So we really sort of waited. So, you know, I think, um, we were able to, uh, to open with, uh, something that was sort of fully formed, um, you know, for us, um, uh, that had fully crystallized. And so even when we opened and we got open and we got a few weeks in for us it, it too, it felt like, well, well, of course we had a long ways to go and we still do, and, you know, had a lot of progress that we wanted, um, to make, uh, but that it felt like something that we had been doing for you know a lot longer. I mean, we're coming up on two years now, but it, but it, you know, it, in some ways it feels like it's been very short. In other ways, it feels like it's been very, very long. Um, so I think that's um, you know one of the main things. And 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 like I said, having um, a reason for every decision and everything that you do, and not just doing anything. Uh, just for the sake of doing it. I mean, if we're going to put a dish on or we're going to do something for a guest or we're going to implement something, we've spent a lot of time with the team, incredible group of professionals going through, thinking about it from every aspect, thinking about how it's going to be conveyed, thinking about how we may describe it, going through, you know, these things at a lot of depth before we actually change something or do something new or implement uh, something so that there's there's a reason why and any any guest at any time who says oh what is this or why do you do this or uh, that anyone can describe in great detail if needed um, the reason for or where something comes from or why it's done uh, the way that it that it does so it brings a lot of sort of cohesiveness mm-hmm. uh, you know to to everything that we do I, and I would say the other sort of like you know the sort of guiding star is it um, you know, my, from from what you said, it would be, you know, again that we always put the focus back on the farm and nature and what's happening from an agricultural perspective. I mean, we say, you know, our, our full name is Single Thread Farm Restaurant and Inn, and we put and farm comes first because the farm does come first. It's not necessarily what the guests are experiencing because they're experiencing the restaurant and the cuisine and that experience and the inn and, and that experience, but it's all driven by the, um, by the farm, whether that's apparent or, or not in any, in any little thing, it, it is the observations from nature. It's what's coming from nature. Um, it's the, the hard work and the mentality behind, you know, that, that comes with farming that, you know, that drives everything. Everyone who starts working at single thread, no matter what job they're doing, it does not matter what job they're doing. They spend their first week working on the farm when they're out there weeding and doing whatever is needed to be done before they even start Hmm. training for, uh, for as they do. And that is to ground them to the farm for them to understand the hard work that farming is for them to have their own personal connection with the farm. So when they're talking about it, when they're describing it or when they're, uh, you know, maybe holding something from it, you know, the harvest from the day or, you know, putting down a plate of food in front of the guests is that they have their own personal connection uh, to them. And, and that that's incredibly important for us. 
Wow, that's beautiful. I love that. I, and, and, and it sounds like one of your values really is intentionality. Um, you guys are, you have really, really thought through um, so much of this and the prerequisite of like, hey, you got to go get your hands dirty for seven days. Um, that's a brilliant move from an ownership standpoint. I, I'm sure it does shift these people that want to come work with you guys uh, into a, a beautiful understanding of, you know, really the full circle of what it takes for single thread to be there. So, um, business, the farm, the inn, the restaurant, all, all of this stuff that, that you, um, you've been entrusted to kind of take care of as far as single thread goes. I, I think in all of our careers, our definition of success changes over time. Um, for you today, two years in, uh, with single thread being a living, breathing thing in the world, um, what does what does success mean, or what's it look like for you today? Yeah, you know, there's uh, there's many measures of uh, success, uh, you know, for sure that we focus on uh, in, in in the world, uh, you know, today, um, and uh, and I think that it's important that we balance, um, you know, different versions and variations of what success is in, in our own life. And, you know, we can be being successful at one aspect of life and not being successful um, in another aspect. And that can, uh, you know, uh, uh, and it's our sort of shortcomings that can, um, you know, really sort of like erode our overall um, happiness and, and well-being. So, you know, sort of balancing the, uh, you know, successes together, I think is a success within itself. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the thing is, is, is striking that balance. Um, you know, for me on a, uh, you know, on a day to day, you know, level, you know, success is easily measured in, uh, in our sort of like restaurant and culinary world, because, you know, um, while we have long-term goals and long-term projects, uh, you're only as good as the sort of last guest that you serve in their, in their happiness. So, you know, we're in a world of sort of, uh, in our, in restaurant world, we're in this world of instant sort of, uh, gratification and instant sort of, uh, acknowledgement of whether we've been successful or, or we failed, uh, just because the immediacy of everything that is that we do, right. We cook food, we serve guests, um, every night and, uh, and we, we make them happy uh, overall or we don't. We make them, they enjoy an individual dish or they do not. And so, you know, we, uh, you know, we sort of, this is the life of the chef. It's a constant, immediate thing. It's often talked about in the sort of chef role is that we're, we're you know, on a daily basis, um, you know, looking to, you know, to make people happy, looking to succeed, you know, with the dishes, our successes and our failures are happening very, very quickly, very immediately and very sort of, you know, sort of profoundly. Um, and, you know, and, and so much so I think, you know, for chefs, they are um, very much attracted to that sort of like instant, uh, you know, gratification and the, in the energy that, that comes around that I certainly, um, am, uh, am as well. Um, you know, whereas in a lot of other businesses, goals and things may be, you know, a little bit more long-term. You might be working on a project that takes weeks to months, you know, to come to fruition, uh, you know, where us it's, 
it's very, very, um, you know, upfront with the guests. In fact, our kitchen is completely open. So, you know, we want guests to feel more like they're coming to um, uh, a dinner party in our home rather than they're coming to a restaurant. Uh, you know, but what that means is, is that, uh, you know, I and the whole team is seeing and interacting with the guests very, very closely and upfront. So, you know, we can see very clearly whether um, they're enjoying something or if they're not uh, enjoying something and getting that immediate, um, you know, feedback. So, you know, we measure a lot of success on that, you know, just for me walking home from a really successful service, uh, you know, I, I, I can feel really good. And if something went wrong, you know, I'm replaying what went wrong and how we're going to fix it and how, and, and how we're going to uh, make it better. So, you know, it's little by little, it's day by day that we're looking at the sort of successes in that, you know, in, in that area. Um, you know, obviously in, in farming, which is incredibly hard work, and you're at the mercy of nature um, all the time. And we've had everything here in Sonoma County from floods to fires to, um, you know, to, uh, you know, various things that we've had to sort of contend with. And just the sort of, sort of all the things that nature, you know, throws at you. So, you know, we're looking at successful harvests and crops and you know, we're able to measure, you know, success um, in that way. But I would say above all, you know, uh, you know, for me at the business, really uh, the, uh, what I've discovered is now being, uh, you know, the owner myself and having a team of over 60 people who are hospitality professionals, wine professionals, culinary professionals, farming uh, you know, in the end and all these various aspects that they do is, is that, you know, my role is really to make sure that everyone on the teams is happy and good and has everything that they need to be successful and has all of the knowledge uh, and feels that every day that they come to work, that they're progressing in their careers and that they're learning something and that they're contributing you know, something. And, and, you know, I, while I put chef lights on every day, I'm a part of every team. I'm a mm. part of the wine team. I'm a part of the service team. And I, I, I'm the champion for everyone. And, and I, I really feel that if I can be successful in making them happy in their jobs and in their roles, they in turn then make uh, the guests, uh, you know, happy. And, you know, then we're successful uh, as a team and, and that we have, we do have that team dynamic. It is not just myself or just not my, just Katina and I who are sort of driving everything and everyone is following our lead. It's, um, it, it is treating everyone as the professionals that they are and setting them up uh, for, uh, you know, for true success. That's, uh, you know, that's really, you know, important. And we all, you know, we need to do that and, uh, you know, and, and balance things within our own life where parents of two, uh, uh, daughters and, um, and, uh, you know, do have, uh, you know, the personal life of our marriage and our family and, uh, you know, as long well as our, as our businesses and all, all the other, you know, things to, to, to come with that. So, you know, I think for us, success is, is a balance. I mean, we don't focus on the financial and monetary success. Although that being said, when you have, you know, a business and you do have all of these, you know, all of these employees and you do have all of these obligations, you can't just push that to the side, you know, that having a healthy, uh, you know, successful business uh, is incredibly important. Uh, you know, we strive to do that by providing really great value for the guests. Um, you know, even though the experience with us is, is, is expensive relative to, you know, to, to, uh, you know, to food experiences, um, 
you know, guests aren't coming just for a meal. They're coming for, um, for an experience. And we have to invite to, we have to uh, provide incredible value and they need to leave feeling, even if they've spent a lot of money, you know, uh, you know, for that, uh, they need to leave feeling like I got incredible value. That was definitely, uh, you know, worth, you know, all of that. And then some, you know, they need to feel that actually they got the better end of the sort of value. Um, and so, you know, I think focusing on these things, everything else sort of comes behind the actual sort of financial side um, does uh, take care of itself when that's not your prime objective. Beautiful. Well said. Um, so what's keeping you curious these days? Anything that's a new idea, a book or something that's you're like, oh, I need to, I need to peek into that a little bit more. Sure. I think one of the things that inspires me the most and that I really enjoy doing um, and keeps me uh, you know, moving is, is to do a lot of collaborations with other chefs. Mm. Um, I take a lot of um, uh, sort of pleasure in doing that. Um, we, uh, we, we do a lot of work uh, in an effort um, to do this so that we're always learning and interacting and also exposing our team to other people and other ideas so we host quite a few um, collaboration dinners at single thread um, i fly chefs in from japan uh, quite often um, just sort of amazing chefs doing incredible uh, you know things you know where, you know many of whom are part of you know family legacies that go back generations uh, you know bring a much different perspective to the sort of like how everything is still very new i mean certainly for us but you know we're 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 in a culture in the American culture where, you know, we don't have as much history, especially here on the West coast, um, you know, and things are always, you know, new and it's a melding of different ideas and different cultures. So it's always inspiring to go uh, to something where you do have, you know, these sort of centuries of, um, of history that are driving. Um, and so I bring a lot of chefs up to Japan uh, from Japan to cook with us and do these collaboration dinners, these sort of like sort of one-off uh, uh, dinners. And that's always really great for all of us. And then, you know, with other chefs in the U S we, we, we trade out, you know, I'll host one or two chefs from two different restaurants and then we'll go to their restaurants and cook. Um, and uh, so bringing people into our kitchen to cook and then us going to their kitchens uh, to cook it, it um, it really changes your perspective. You see someone come into your environment and do something completely different with the equipment, with the space, with the team, with the dishes, with the ingredients, and that's incredibly inspiring. And then you go and you cook in someone else's kitchen, and and you you bring what you do, but you kind of morph it to what fits in there, and it challenges you in a new way, or you know you discover new ingredients. It was, up recently in a good friend of mine's restaurant called the Willows Inn, which is out on Lummi Island, uh, which is North Washington state, right on the Canadian border, beautiful, tiny Island on the Puget Sound, incredible restaurant doing amazing things, really special um, experience. And we went out there and, and, and cooked and they have their own farm as well. And we went out fishing for spot prawns and uh, for fish and gathered things off the Island, did some foraging and cooked a dinner and, and it was really great to be taken out of your comfort zone and uh, expose something new, and be incredibly inspired and come up with dishes sort of, you know, on the fly. And you're coming up with the dish one day and you're serving it to 
you know, to the guests next. And, and uh, you know, doing that is and getting out of your own environment, your own comfort zone is incredibly important to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to keep creativity going. Yeah, there's there's two words that I'm hearing consistently in, in all of this dialogue from you is one is gratitude. Like, I think you have a deep, deep sense of, you know, gratitude for the present moment, for those people that you've been entrusted. And, and then the other one is expansion, that that you not only want to grow your own capacity, but the people that you've been entrusted, it, it seems as though uh, something near and dear to you is also growing their capacities. What advice would you give to your younger self? I love asking this question to chefs. Sure. I, you know, thankfully, I, I think I, I did take a lot of the advice that my older self would have uh, <laughs> given. Um, and I was, I'm very thankful to, uh, while nothing is perfect, you definitely have things that you would do, you know, do differently. I have to say, you know, by and large, it really kind of, um, I was very thankful to kind of get some of the lessons from, you know, more of what we were talking about earlier about, you know, sort of Japan, this whole idea of mastery of craft and everything got to sort of like recognize that early on and say, okay, I've got to pay attention mm. to this, do this and follow, uh, you know, this, um, you know, and, you know, definitely have that sort of tough, you know, some of those tough lessons early on from, you know, chefs and, and people and trying to break into the Japanese culinary world, which was difficult for a non-Japanese to yeah. do, and, and definitely many hard lessons that came uh, with that that have, have benefited uh, me, uh, you know, since then. But, you know, I, th- I think, you know, looking back, uh, I, you know, just you would continue to tell tell yourself to, you know, stay the course and focus and, you know, and learn and be open you know, to learning opportunities. Um, you know, if, uh, you know, I think I, like a lot of people was sort of so quick to wanting to do and to show that I could do, um, you know, that didn't always, uh, you know, take the time to really fully, um, uh, accept the lesson and to, you know, to, to watch and observe, um, you know, very quick to like say, okay, I can do that. Let me try to do that. Let me learn how to do that. Um, and trying to want to, you know, rush ahead uh, to the end. Um, and that the thing with with skills uh, are, you know, in in our world, is that um, you know you they come with practice, and you have it or you don't. And you, you know because you practiced or you didn't. And it's a lot like learning to play an instrument or you know anything like that. Is you know the proof is in the execution. Um, and and only by spending hours and days and weeks and years, uh, you know, practicing uh, movements and various things over and over and over again, or training your palate, uh, you know, just to understand or to training yourself, understand creating flavor and depth of flavor and, um, you know, and how things are going to behave and react together. Do you, you know, can you really fully, you know, get that? And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard as your young self to fully, um, appreciate that and, and, and do that. And, and I think we tend, to, um, you know, myself included to want to sort of rush through those things, um, and gain and obtain, uh, the skills. But I think life teaches you very quickly that, um, uh, you know, you, you either have it or you didn't, you can't fake practice. Uh, you actually have to, uh, you know, have to do it. And so, 
you know, having, you know, patience for that, which is something that I try to talk to, you know, the young, you know, cooks about now. And, and I think is a, is a challenge in this, in this day and age, you know, now with how immediate everything is and, and how we're able to sort of conjure up knowledge and information, uh, you know, so quickly, it's hard to remember that when it comes to learning something and, and being able to do something that you really do need to put in that practice. Well said, well said. Um, Man, so I sure have enjoyed getting to know you and hear, and hear your story. And like I said, I, I'm headed your way soon. I don't know when, but, but we want to come and experience um, what you guys are doing out there. For, for our listeners that maybe want to follow you and your work and single thread, where's the best place online that you would direct them? Um, yeah, our, well, first off, we look forward to, uh, to having you very, very much look forward to, to having you out, um, and, uh, you know, to experience the restaurant and to visit us at the farm and everything. Um, and, uh, really the best way, uh, to get more information about what we're doing is, uh, um, either our website, which is uh, singlethreadfarms.com, uh, com, uh, or our, you know, also, um, our Instagram, which is, uh, at singlethread, uh, farms as well beautiful singlethreadfarms.com that's where you guys can find everything that um kyle and katina are doing out there you will not regret it go online see what they're doing and uh kyle on behalf of all of us um thank you for your good and necessary work and thank you for your generous spirit in uh sharing some time with us today well thanks for allowing me to cheers Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kyle. If you are going to be in the Hillsburg, California area, make sure you go visit singlethreadfarms.com. You can find out everything about the restaurant, the inn, and the farms out there. And you guys will see that they are doing lovely, lovely things out that way. Don't forget, if you're enjoying these conversations, we ask that you would share them with those people that you love and you lead. One of our goals here uh, is for us all to gather around the table hold hands together, and point at that which is true, good, and beautiful so that we may reflect on it and it may follow us all the days of our lives. We want to collectively agree on what we are all for, and we think that the Good, True, and Beautiful podcast can be just a little, little role uh, in the whole world just tuning up. And so, please share. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebirds sing, and be love.